I'm on the road from Dublin to Galway right now, somewhere between Kinnegad and Kilbegad. Hard to say where exactly because to non-localise there's not exactly many landmarks, just Bordnamona Bog on either side of the motorway. Bogs where there's not an awful lot going on right now since a big case in the courts last year. But there is a simmering row brewing here, one that's fuelled by years of mistrust. And it threatens to throw a pretty big spanner in the works of our efforts to tackle the climate crisis. Bordnamona could be sold off to global investors. They're not going to care about Paddy and his few acres. All this was pushed through in a hurry after a general election when the Green Party came to power. Let's call a spade a spade. It goes absolutely against everything that they believe in. You know, this is crazy stuff, you know, from, from a farmer's point of view. If Bordnamona doesn't engage fully, there will be a negative response. The reason that I'm travelling to up in County Offaly is that this row starts with the people who live and work alongside the bogs, who feel right now like they're being ridden roughshod over. Where are we going to? We're heading out across the fields here to a it's a peatland that we're farming. Michael Guinan is worried, and so far nobody has convinced him that he is wrong to worry. The side of the trees you see in the distance is Bordnamona Bog. His 200-acre farm straddles the Grand Canal in County Offaly and runs along the edge of Pulla Bog. In January, Bordnamona stopped harvesting peat on all of its bogs, and the agency has now included Pulla in its accelerated decarbonisation scheme. That means they want to re-wet the bog this year. And you're very welcome back. The Cabinet has approved funding for a large-scale peatlands restoration scheme in the Midlands. Peat harvesting for energy purposes will soon be a thing of the past. It's hoped today's announcement will cushion the impact locally, as well as assisting with the effort to reduce the country's carbon emissions. Going back to the, to the mid-40s, early 50s, uh, Bordnamona, when they took over bog in behind here, began to do drainage and prior to that this land contained a lot of small springs and drains that drained into bog drains there at the bottom at the fence there and after Bordnamona done the drainage all those springs and uh, drains all dried up. 80 years ago this was good news draining the bogs made the neighbouring land farmable what has Michael worried is might re-wetting the bog undo that. Your fear is now what? My fear would be that no, no hydrologist, nobody can tell you what way water flows underground. They can make a good guess at it. But like, you would have to wonder if, if they bank up water somewhere else, particularly if it's as high as that, it's going to put pressure on lower ground. And the springs could probably reappear here and we probably need to start doing drainage here again. All Michael says that he is looking for is some basic reassurances from Board Namona. But he says he and others haven't received those assurances and there is growing unease in the farming community. The good news climate action story about re-wetting of bogs is turning into a potential bad news story about a state agency's failure to listen to the concerns of locals. We're not asking for compensation. We're not asking them to do anything. Only stand behind their hydrologists. Reassure us that if something goes wrong, that they will come in 
and fix it in as speedily a time as possible. We've been travelling a long road to get to the point where we started getting serious about climate action. While that road was about setting targets and percentages, it was relatively smooth. But now that it has come time to act, it's getting bumpier. Rubber is hitting the road and it's generating friction. And there's a huge amount riding on how we handle that. I'm Philip Boucher-Hayes and this is Hot Mess, measuring the gap between climate aspirations and climate action. Episode 2, That Sinking Feeling. The amount of carbon stored in peatlands globally uh, is equivalent, if not more, to the amount of carbon stored in the atmosphere. So you could imagine that if that were ever, that carbon pool was ever to move from the peatlands to the atmosphere, uh, you know, it's pretty much goodbye human life as we know it on this planet. David Wilson is a consultant ecologist. One of his areas of expertise is bogs and the amount of carbon that they emit. They are loaded with carbon. So they're, they're almost, in effect, like a ticking carbon bomb waiting to go off. Each year, the bogs that we harvested for peat or turned into farmland ooze greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and the supply is almost endless. The most recent work that has been completed would suggest that we have about 2.5 billion tonnes of carbon locked up in Irish peatlands. And this is not just in natural peatlands. This is, of course, in all our peatlands and grassland, uh, forestry soils, uh, peat extraction areas as well. So it's an enormous amount of carbon. How enormous? We still haven't measured it properly. But we do know that bogs emit even more carbon dioxide than all our gas and coal and electricity generation stations, oil and gas refining and briquette manufacturing combined. It's a big problem. It's a problem, I think, that really hasn't been fully recognised until very, very recently. This is really, uh, for us, peatland scientists, is the elephant in the room. So what do you do? You put a lid on it, a lid of water. That stops the peat oxidising and turning it into CO2. Not only does this stop bogs emitting carbon dioxide over time, it makes them start capturing carbon from part of the problem to part of the solution. Just add water. This technique works very, very well. The site quickly flips back from being a carbon source to carbon sink within a very, very short period of time. Um, and you have created conditions there where carbon sequestration could continue uh, for thousands of years, uh, as long as the bog remains wet. How many hectares would offset the carbon produced by one household heating their home with kerosene and driving two cars and taking uh, summer holidays abroad? So one hectare of rewetted bog would bring, uh, would be accounting for around nine tonnes of CO2, which is very, very close 
to what the average household CO2 footprint is. So each hectare that is stopped from emitting and starts capturing would be preventing almost the average Irish household's annual emissions from warming the planet. One hectare almost equals one house. And there are 1.4 million hectares of peatland in Ireland. That's an opportunity to think about for a bit. Travelling halfway across County Offaly to meet another man called Pat O'Brien, I'm looking at the field where I'm going to meet him on the satellite map, and it's almost exactly like the field in the Jim Sheridan version of John B. Keane's The Field. One lush green pasture surrounded by much, much more marginal land. It's almost as if whatever Pat O'Brien has been doing here in the last 30 or 40 years has raised this field up out of the bog. In years gone by, this was drained, it was semi-drained, there was drains put around the outside of it, it dried it up somewhat. And back in 07, we um, put shores through it. Put land drains in. Put land it. drainage pipe and pebbles in. Fill it back in. It's been the work of two generations to turn this field from bog to pasture. And Pat is understandably proud. We're only looking after the land for the next generation. As my father said, he got it and he passed it on, hopefully in a better state than when he got it. And I hope to do the same. The pace of change here is rapid. Just a year ago, peat was being harvested here, loaded onto locomotives and shipped by rail to Eden Dairy Power Plant. All that has stopped now, and in time, the empty, buttery brown moonscape will be re-wet. All that stands between that bog and Pat's field is a drainage ditch. And Pat isn't happy about Bordnemona's maintenance of the ditch. There is, yeah. And if you, if you just come down here, see, the, the water crosses the road down here. So, in fairness, those don't need to be as deep at the moment. But, but the water will flow... At this lowest point of the road well, here, up will, over the top of the road? Well, it, it will if, if it can't get through the pipe. If, if, if the pipe is not fit to, to take the water, that's what will happen. I got lost trying to keep up with how far back Pat's family tree and this land go. It suffices to say that they have both been here a long time. Plans are made across generations, not quarter to quarter. So while he's worried about being flooded by water off a re-wetted bog, he has a more long-term question about what will become of Bord Namona and who he might have to call to come and fix the blocked drain in the future. It can be the parks and wildlife in five years' time, in ten years' time. It can be German, Chinese, American investors... 10 or 15 years after that. Nobody knows. But you'll still be but here. hopefully, that's the intent. Pat and Michael are not alone, but others that I spoke to didn't want to go on air. But they did feel strongly that they were being ignored by Board Namona. This has the feeling of the early stages of a protest campaign that could get a lot bigger yet. Two of the parties that are in government now were in power when we lost our fiscal independence. 
Who's to say what's going to happen in the next... There's a global crisis at the minute. Who's, who's to say what's going to happen in the next five, ten years even? Never mind 25 years. This could be sold off. Borden and Money could be sold off to global investors from anywhere. They're not going to care about Paddy and his few acres. What the farmers are saying seems logical enough on the face of it. Rewetted bogs could, when there is very heavy rainfall, cause neighbouring farms to be flooded. Nonsense, says Board Namona. And after the break, they give me a tour to prove it. Welcome to Bonmore, first of all. <laughs> what do you call it? Bonmore Bog. Bonmore. On a day like today, it's more grey than white. Exactly. Does Bordemona have much success with rewetting and rehabilitation projects? Yeah, well, look, this is probably one of my favourite bogs down here in Littleton uh, in relation to rewetting. Bordemona ecologist Mark McCorry showed me around a rewetting project outside Erlingford on the Kilkenny Tip border. It's a 340 hectare site that, up until 15 years ago, provided peat for the briquette factory in Littleton. Then they allowed it to re-wet. There's still bits of brown moonscape exposed to the surface, but nature has started recolonising. A mix of grasses, some mosses, a few small birch trees, meadow pipits bob up and down overhead, and in the distance you can hear lapwings. You can see the bog cotton coming out. It's been dry for three weeks before I visit, but there's heavy rain on the day. On the lower-lying stretches of the bog, there's a layer of water. You couldn't walk over it in your shoes, but wellies would probably be a bit too much wet gear. Mark showed me how in this case, the bog was actually taking water from the surrounding farmland rather than posing a risk to it. Just here, Philip, you know, like here's an interesting feature. This is a big drain. It takes water from along the road from uh, the adjacent farmland. And again, you know, in relation to planning rehab, like we can't block that drain because if we block that drain, it will back up, Uh you know, so potentially flood adjacent land. So in relation to planning the rehab, it's all about, you know, leaving this water to flow through the site, you know. So again, and doing what's possible down uh, in the bog. Mark maintains that not only has Bournemore Bog never been the cause of any flooding on surrounding lands, he says no Bordenamona bog has. No, look, not, her, uh, not here. And like if we think about Bordenamona, uh, they've had really 40 years experience of doing this and we've never encountered any uh, significant issues but we're not in a bubble here we're in a wider mm. landscape you do have neighbours were they worried at the outset of this project here how did you reassure them well again it's it's about you know uh, you know talking to our neighbours it's about um, stakeholder management like uh, Board and Mona have been operating on these bogs for probably going on 50 years now uh, you know the staff that would have worked these bogs would have got to know the neighbouring farmers, uh, got to know on the local issues, and like they were able to show me, okay, well we can block this drain, but we can't block that drain. 
that knowledge uh, was very important. One of the things that I noticed in the management plan for some of the bogs that are going to be re-wet this summer was that five years down the line there would be only annual visits. Is that sufficient where you're talking about water which can go from being absent to uh, a big threat in the space of an hour or two in this country sometimes? Yeah, well, look, you, you know, that's a, like a, that's a good point in terms of our monitoring. We've got a, like a very robust monitoring and verification programme. So there will be ongoing visits. And, you know, for me as an ecologist, you know, the ecology team will be out, you know, monitoring um, the biodiversity. Uh, other board Nimona staff will be out in relation to land security and so on. In the short term, like board Nimona aren't going to go away. Uh, we have all our obligations in relation to being a landowner. All landowners have obligations in relation to maintaining their land banks. So, like we'll be uh, continuing to like. Uh, so you're maintain saying those you think that that onus, that responsibility, would transfer to any new owner down the line? Absolutely. All landowners have these obligations and we have to get the water levels right to achieve the best outcomes for uh, climate action. And if we don't look after it, we, uh, like we won't achieve these outcomes. While Bordnamona can point with credibility to a great track record of successful re-wetting, there is, in spite of this, still growing unease all around the Midlands. Why is that? What is really going on here? I put it to both Pat and Michael that if past record is anything to go on, they and other farmers don't have much to worry about. But it would seem that Michael Guinan's mistrust comes from a long and unhappy history of interactions with all sorts of agencies of the state. But... uh... The reason I am sceptical about Bordnamona is probably personal. Back in the early 1980s, I came up here one morning and heard my cattle and looked out across the bog and I could see a whole lot of little white lats all across the bog. So I went out and I looked at them and they were all numbered and all the rest. So I pulled every damn one of them, Philip, brought them off with me. A couple of days later, I came back up. So, was this on your stretch of bog? This or was on... on my stretch of bog. I right. owned as far as those trees up there, Philip. Yeah. Came back a couple of days later, they were on it again. So, I'd done the same again. This misunderstanding about who owned that bit of bog led to quite a testy exchange. Well, he says they are. He says, and you're trespassing on board of Mona property. No, I says, you're trespassing. Oh, he says, that's landlord bog. He says, and we're taking over all the landlord bogs. I say, you've got one part right. It is landlord bog. What's a landlord bog? And I am the landlord. (laughs) (laughs) What what is a landlord bog? The old English landlords had acquired big areas of bog. And they had given their tenants turbury rights to cut turf on it. But just because there's a bit of history, it would be wrong to accept what Bordnamona was saying about the safety of re-wetting without getting an expert independent opinion. Our connection to the land is so powerful. You know, I, I do see that as a risk, that if if, if Bordenmona doesn't engage properly, fully, wholeheartedly, and commit the resources to this, that there will be a negative response and a missed opportunity. 
Dr Catherine Farrell was one of a number of ecologists working inside Board Nimona throughout the 90s and noughties, overseeing re-wetting projects until she left three years ago to pursue studies of peatlands in Trinity College. First things first, has re-wetting ever caused flooding? Only once in 35 years of these projects that she can recall. One instance in, in my experience where, where the dam actually burst that was what led to an an in, an incident we we'll call it where a, a farmer's floodplain was affected the reason it's such a rare thing is because she says somewhat counterintuitively rewetting can help drain surrounding land holding in water like a sponge during a flood and then releasing it slowly so this should have less risk overall of flooding so, so the rewetting should reduce the overall flow in in times of high rainfall. So, so that's what a healthy peatland does. It holds the water and it it slows the effect. And I would imagine that back in the day before any drains were put in peatlands, there would have been a lot less flooding downstream. So, what happens? It should reduce the flooding. Learning what way the water is going to flow is only one part of the job, though. She says that explaining your plans clearly to the local community couldn't be more important. Catherine nearly got this badly wrong early in her career when re-wetting a bog in Mayo. In my own experience, when we were doing the, the rehab programme in, in Mayo, when the peat production wound up there in the early 2000s there was a knee-jerk reaction there was you know from my part i probably didn't engage enough and uh, at the time and hands up i learned uh, to my my fault and my detriment there was a reaction there from the local community and there was a lot of fear around you know the blocking of the drains around bangor town and village this is going to affect our house prices all this sort of thing I did have the support um, from Board and One at the time from wiser people who came down immediately to to the site and met with the local people and took the time to to communicate and engage. And then a couple of weeks later, you you realise that this has been turned from a very negative, a very hostile. Uh, situation to the point where people are laughing and talking and sharing stories and you know jiving each other about oh well you know you want to you know do the divin and all to my bog and you know so it can really be transformative that communication piece it's the make or break I think in this situation. Farmers get a bad rap when it comes to embracing climate action. Sometimes it's deserved, but being scared of big changes that are badly explained would scare anyone and put them on the offensive too. They, they keep going back saying, well, Bournemouth have always been good neighbours and sure, like everything will be grand on the day. But like, if, if they're so sure of that, just give us a piece of paper with a signature on the bottom. They gave us a letter of intent the other day and a barrister had a look at it and said that it wasn't worth a book full of spits. So, like, we need something that 
we can stand over and say, yes, we have a legal document now. But in my experience, many farmers are better motivated about conserving what we have and saving the planet than we give them credit for. As I was wrapping up on Michael Guinan's farm, all he really wanted to show me was all the pictures on his phone of wildlife that he had recently spotted around the place. I have a couple of photos I'd love to show you now if I can find the damn things. I didn't realise that my recorder was still running as he showed me the habitats that he has preserved, with no payment, for all kinds of wildlife. Well, if you saw this guy up where he was sitting there, it's fantastic. Many farmers who can and will be the agents of change that climate action needs if they are approached in the right way. But it would be a very bad start to our climate action plans if landowners got the idea that their land could be flooded by bog re-wetting for the want of better engagement and a minimum peace of mind. After all, Bordnemona only owns 7% of all of Ireland's peatlands there's over a million other hectares of degraded bogs and peatlands whose greenhouse gases will have to be mitigated next. We don't have the time to get the communications wrong. Hot Mess, an RTE original podcast, was written, produced and presented by me, Philip Boucher-Hayes. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from RTE on this topic, please rate and review this one wherever you have downloaded it. And thanks for listening.